grown up uh, with Bruce. Uh, and he's been a major part of my life through highs and lows. And, uh, you know, through yeah. Bruce, um, I met the love of my life and my soulmate very unexpectedly. I'm happy for the friendships uh, from Bruce, camaraderie. It's, it's a unique it's a unique group of people. We all, we all somehow just get it. Um, Bruce touches all of us, um, sometimes in different ways, but many times a lot of the same ways under different circumstances at different times. And it's, it really is the ties that bind us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the many people that um, I've met over the years. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me is not one, but two guests, two legendary guests, two of my favorite online friends. I have Outlaw Pete himself and the lovely Laura on the podcast. Welcome both. Mrs. Outlaw. Mrs. Outlaw. I love that. I, Linda calls herself Mrs. Set Lusting Bruce. So, <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. Uh, guys, this is so, I'm so glad that you guys reached out. Um, you know, Pete, you and I have been online friends forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will, I, I think when we get to a certain segment of this podcast, I will embarrass you. Um, because it's okay, I'm, pre- I, I'm prepared to talk about that because you, you are one of my angels and, uh, and, and you, uh, we will get to this in a little bit, but, um, there are a lot of great people in Bruce Springsteen fandom that behind the scenes work to try to make as many people happy as they can. And uh, Donna with Bruce Funds, I think, is by far one of the best. I, I just adore her. But you've done a little share of yourself, too. So I'm just going to tease that. But okay. to start out with, Laura, let's start with you. Tell us a little about yourself. So um, I am a Jersey girl. Uh, first and foremost. First and foremost. Um, and proud of it. And I definitely do not pump gas. Uh, (laughs) I am uh, in healthcare. I'm corporate director of finance operations uh, for Central State Medical Center in Freehold, New Jersey. Uh, I've been doing uh, finance all of my life. Um, I've grown up uh, with Bruce. uh, He's been a major part of my life through highs and lows. And, uh, you know, through Bruce, um, I met the love of my life and my soulmate um, very unexpectedly. And, uh, you know, I am happy for the friendships uh, from Bruce uh, and the camaraderie. Uh, it's, it's a unique, 
it's a unique group of people. Uh, we all, we all somehow just get it. Um, Bruce touches all of us, um, sometimes in different ways, but many times a lot of the same ways under different circumstances at different times. And it's, it really is the ties that bind us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the many people that um, I've met over the years. Uh, I've been, my, my first Bruce concert was uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, the original River Tour. From that moment on, uh, I've been hooked and uh, Bruce has guided me through uh, lots of highs and lows. Well, that is very nice. Um, you'll have to introduce me to your soulmate sometime. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, tell us a little about yourself. Okay, so uh, uh, I'm a former U.S. Marine, um, which uh, those things, uh, that never say die attitude and uh, accomplish the goals at all costs is part of who I am. And um, I'm a uh, pretty good real estate salesman, one of the best in central New Jersey uh, for 35 years. And so the things that I do, you know, in the Bruce community with the ticketing, helping people get tickets, it comes pretty naturally for me based on what I do for a living. And as a result, it's been a blessing uh, in more ways than I can say. Um, so go ahead, Pete. Yes. All right. Go ahead. Ask your question. No, no. Oh. I, I'm, and I'm going to ask you something that wasn't on the agenda. And if you don't know an answer, that's okay. But I always know the answer. I find that there is something about being in the Marines that people tend to bring that up. Like, you know, I don't, I, I have friends who served, you know, one of my best friends served in the Navy, was, you know, submarine for two tours. He never brings that up unless it's brought up. Um, you know, my dad was in, you know, career army, retired. But it seems there is something about being in the Marines that, like Ed Bark, who's the local, retired now, but he was the local TV critic. And in his bio, he talked about being a Marine. Um, Sarah Price, who was just on my podcast, you know, who's a huge Aaron Sorkin fan and Westling fan, talked about being a Marine. Why do you think there's such a pride in that specific, not in that specific branch of service? Oh, there's a lot of reasons. I'll try and keep it short. The few, the proud, the finest, the Marines. The okay. second one is whenever America needed military service, who was the first call? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason. And, uh, uh, not to take anything away, I got brothers that are in all branches of, of the service. Every yeah. one is equal, but there's something about Marine Corps boot camp and what it does to you and what it instills in you. And that never say die, you know, yeah. no, no surrender. I yeah. think Bruce recognized that from his 
his friends. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, think so. Who, who, who went? So, um, but uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the most successful business leaders. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of retired Marines that went on to very successful careers in, yeah. in, in the business world. And it's, you know, it, it's just something that stands out. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. As always, I appreciate your service. And like I said, I, my dad served, was retired military, you know, was retired from the army. So I know, I, and I'm always sensitive to the fact that, um, the service men and women's family serve as well. Absolutely. And there is a Absolutely. cost that, you know, there, there is a cost to that. In fact, my mom made a joke. She couldn't watch that lifetime series, army wives. She's like, no, I lived it. I don't need to watch a TV series about it. And, you That's know, and there was a, uh, all right. I'm going to start with you. Or they'll, or they'll, or they'll misportray it. <laughs> yes. Well, my friend Ken, who I was talking about, who served, uh, he can't watch a submarine movie because he just like I, he spends the whole time. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And he gets totally out of it. He, he says, "I realize it's fiction, but he just can't." Just he says, "Mike, he can't turn his brain off." I can't watch hospital shows either. Like I never watched like ER or any of those yeah. shows. Couldn't do it. So. Well, uh, my brother-in-law was on the job as a firefighter um, and he recently retired and he joked about it took him a while to like, he's like, there's no way like a 911, the new 911. He says, there's no fire station that's that's pretty. He's just, there's just no way. So yeah, he gets that. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, sorry, Pete, let's start with you. Uh, where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to? Um, I grew up in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, the home of Johnson and Johnson and Rutgers University. Um, my family, yeah, my dad was uh, Italian, uh, so the music from his side of the family was uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Tony Bennett, who happens to be Italian, um, Mario Lanza, I'll never forget, that was one of the first albums that got played on the big uh, furniture uh, stereo with the record player down inside and slot, you know, get, I'm dating myself with the slot for the albums alongside. It was Mario Lanza. It was Frank Sinatra. It was Dean Martin. You know, um, those were the, those were the old standbys. My mom liked a little bit of country. Uh, she, she came from, uh, uh, she grew up in, uh, Roanoke, Virginia, got moved here, um, uh, with her dad. She was an army brat too. Uh, and, uh, uh, moved to Jersey and, she, you know, her, her and my dad, uh, met each other in the early fifties. They got married. I forget 53, 54. And I was born in 57. Um, so she, she was more towards country, but she also liked Elvis. Uh, she liked some of the rockabilly stuff, um, and, um, but, you know, our whole family, both dad's side and my mom, that's where my love of music really became instilled. 
the first, uh, uh, the thing that did it for me was one night, uh, and there was, there was no birthdays, no holidays, nothing going on. My wife says, we're going over. I mean, my, my mom says, we're going over to uh, Aunt Mary's house. And I said, what are we doing? She says, we're going to go see the Beatles because Beatlemania was in full swing. And I had never heard of them. I thought, I honestly thought that we're going to have some guys come out and Beatle outfits. Sure. <laughs> and, um, and two songs in, and my life was changed musically forever. And uh, um, we never missed an Ed. So we kept going back to Aunt Mary's every single time. Every time the Beatles were on, we, it was a tradition. We, we, yeah. we go back, we go back to Aunt Mary's house and that, that was on my father's side and she was a Sinatra lover, but um, that, you know, so I got hit the same way Bruce and Stevie and so many other, you know, stars yeah. did. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, but it, it, it went from there and, and it progressed on. Laura, how about you? So um, in my household, um, my father was about eight years older than my mom. So their music tastes were actually quite diverse. Um, my, my dad was pretty much typical, like Pete's family, the Frank Sinatra, the Dean Martin, uh, Tony Bennett. He did like uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Oh, mom had that one too, yeah. But my, <laughs> my mom, on the, on the other hand, she was like listening to like, the fifth dimension and the age of Aquarius. Um, she bought the Beatles actually into the house, uh, but her all time favorite uh, probably to this day is Tom Jones. So sure. I listened and listened and listened to Tom Jones music. Um, and my mom had posters. So it was my, um, I guess my, my birth into uh having the icon. So I guess. Okay. Was, yes. Oh, yes. She you know, taught you very early. It's okay. Exactly. But yeah. you know, from my perspective, I'm, I'm the oldest child. So I didn't have an older sibling to introduce me into music. And I grew up at the time that there was AM radio. So it was like, all well, the pop hits and yeah. things like that. It wasn't until I actually got to high school where I found out there there was a whole nother world of music out there and things like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Um, you know, I was really yeah. into that genre of rock. She and, went off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, uh, you know, in, in 1975, you know, I was um, going into my sophomore year of high school and Born to Run hit. And then it was like, Oh my God, who is this man? And he's from New Jersey. It's like, and it was just instantaneous love. And uh, I had to wait like five years to actually see him live because circumstances prevented it. Yeah. But I'm telling you between, between 75 and, and 80, you know, I went back and, you know, listened to, to greetings and, and the, you know, the wild and the innocent and, uh, you know, Rosalita became like my, my theme song. I just, anytime I heard that, or like I went to a club. Um, bouncing all over the place. Bouncing, exactly. And yeah. I still do to the state of Rosalita. So. so 
Um, Pete, I want if you can remember your first exposure to Bruce, then I'd both like you to try to articulate, if you can, what about his music captivated you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so my first exposure to Bruce, I was 15 and in my hometown of New Brunswick, as I mentioned, Johnson Johnson's Rutgers University. Johnson, both of those institutions were very pro community involvement. Okay. Um, and uh, to a certain extent, they've never left that. They're, they're like part of the heart and soul of New Brunswick. And one of the things they did was during the summer months, they had these uh, summer camps for kids and it was activities. You go to a park and long story short, it was keep kids off the street, you know, keep yeah. them out of drugs, keep them out of trouble. And, uh, me and my buddy Alan used to always go down to uh, uh, this field called Antilles Field near uh, Douglas College. And uh, uh, the uh, and there was uh, a counselor there and the counselor was from Rutgers. And uh, I forget, I think he was, he was probably a senior, junior or senior at Rutgers. And, uh, and he was so cool. And he would talk about, you know, we'd start talking about music and the Beatles and everything else. And, and he, uh, he said, you know, you guys are so into music. You got to check out this guy, Bruce Springsteen. And I go, who? And he's like, oh, just, you know, it was like the last week of the summer uh, camp. And he says, you know, we're going to be having, they're going to, everybody's going to be going, coming back to school come up and, and uh, come up to the uh, frat house and uh, uh, just ask for me. And so Mario was like, one, I guess he was one of the higher ups in the, in the, uh, in the frat. And uh, he said, I can't believe you guys came. Come on. And we're in the backyard. And what do they got? One, one of the leaders of the frat house knew Bruce from when he was playing at uh, the, he would he would do some like solo coffee house type things at the Rutgers Student Center right up the road on, on College Avenue. And uh, I didn't know what I was seeing. And uh, and he started previewing some of the songs that he was going to be doing. And then uh, and he he ended it with like rousers, you know, the, the covers. Yeah. That and I said, yeah, he's pretty good, man. Um, but that was it. I didn't realize what we were seeing. Sure. The next summer, Bruce and the band is playing at the ledge and the ledge had multiple acts. And for the life of me, I swear it was it was billed as like a battle of the bands. And there was a band called Heavy Trucking, which was very well known locally. They did a rip. They did phenomenal covers, uh, all the classic rock covers they used to do. The immigrant song, Stairway to Heaven, but they had their own music. Uh -huh. So, so my buddy Alan says, Hey, heavy trucking's playing at the ledge. And we get up there and Bruce is playing too. So <laughs> I still didn't get it. Um, and it turns out that that day he opened the show with freaking incident, like was common back back then for him and uh on a guitar and i was like oh whatever 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't clicking. 75 born to run hit and it all came full circle. Then they started album oriented rock started going back to his earlier albums playing. I said, Oh, I heard that song. Yeah. I heard spirit of the night heard Rosalita. And I was like, but that was it. Born to, born to run pretty much changed my life right there. And uh, it just felt growing up in New Brunswick. There was so much, there was so much of that album that you could look around, you could place every one of those songs someplace in my hometown. Yeah. And the way he related it. And Bruce has often said that, you know, between Weiss and, and Born to Run, it was like all happened, all could happen on the same Saturday night on both sides of the river, New York and New Jersey. Yeah. And it just, that was it. And, uh, um, and ever since then, you know, I just never stopped every time yeah. I could, every time I could see him. So how about you, Laurie? You mentioned, you know, hearing Born to Run and, you know, that five years. Can, can you articulate what about him just captivated you? So as, as I stated when, when we opened, it was just how I could relate and where I was at the time. At age 15, uh, I was somewhat rebellious. Uh, I, I felt like I knew everything. Uh, I was, couldn't wait to be, you know, an adult. Sure. Uh, so, so it was the, the born to run, um, kind of was like an anthem. Uh, that being said, uh, Today, my favorite song is Thunder Road. So, um, but back then, Born to Run, you know, it, it would come on, I would scream it at the top of my lungs. Uh, it, and it would just be something that just energized me, uh, kept me going. And I, you know, I was hoping and praying and always hoping and praying that like, I would go to New Jersey, I'd go around to the clubs and somehow I would run into Bruce um, you know, my, my girlfriends and I would, would, would be driving to Asbury Park, you know, and at that time, Asbury Park was not really the place for like, you know, three women, you know, 18 sure. years old, whatever to be, you know, traipsing around. Uh, but we, you know, we used to go around, um, we went to Tradewinds and Seabright, um, but, you know, never got to see him so that, but I had all this pent up energy and, uh, but then when I got tickets to, to see Bruce and back, back in the day, tickets for Bruce, I, I remember that there was kind of like, it was almost like a lottery. You had the, the local newspapers, like the daily news and things like that. They, you actually had to fill something out, send in a money order mail it in with a self-addressed stamped envelope and hope you got tickets back. Some people did, some people didn't. And, you know, the rebel that I was only, I guess, uh, heightened that uh, title when I got tickets to see Bruce and it was on Thanksgiving. And I had to leave the family dinner to go to Madison Square Garden to see Bruce. Yeah. So, um, oh, well, but... When I got there, it was beyond whatever my expectations were. 
because from the time he got on the stage to the time he got off, it was just one song after the other. You know, it's one thing to hear the album, but to hear it live and then to hear these songs, these anthems speak to you. Um, I will admit that um, I did not like the song, The River, uh, when he played The River back then. I was like, oh, this song is so slow. It's so boring. Um, now it's, you know, totally different. I have, a, you yeah. know, different different place and different time, you know, it takes on a whole different meaning. But I'm telling you, like Sherry Darling, Out on the Streets, Cadillac Ranch, Ramrod. I, you know, I was just, you, I was just dancing in the aisles. And it was just, from then on, it was just like, whenever I was able to, um, you know, I made it a point to see Bruce when he was around. So a couple things. One, my buddy Sam, we were at a show and uh, someone had a sign. It's my 19th birthday, play the river. And Sam looks at me and like, has he ever heard the river? Like, is this, <laughs> has he heard the song? Like, just because it mentions your 19th birthday, this is not a great birthday song. So, right. Yeah. Um, so... So I got to add something in there. Yeah, okay. please. Part of, um, part of the miracle that happened with me and Laura is, is that all these shows she was at, I was at. Okay. We didn't know each other existed until 2014. So I want to get to that. And so how many times, I always preface this, Pete, Laura, with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I have had people on this show that have never seen him live because they just recently became fans or because they may have been fans 20 years and just have never had the chance to see him live. Uh, but for the record, do you guys count? And if so, how many for each and how many are you guys together? Do you have those numbers? That's a good question. Uh, I'm up to 176. She's okay. probably somewhere around 50 or 60. Wrong. That has to be edited. Okay. See, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to edit that out because this is too great, but I will make a note. <laughs> um, I, I wish I had been to that many shows, but it's probably more like 35 shows. Okay. Included that includes um, two Broadway shows. Okay. Uh, right. I was ben not Pitch. I I was not as fortunate as Pete to uh, go to every single show in the tri-state area. Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have the means. Um, yeah. Other obligations. You know, but num numbers to me don't really matter. Right. So um, yeah. And that's you know, why I always preface that, right? Yeah. Because it really doesn't. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Um, all right, so I've got it. Yeah, like those fans in the uh, in the in the in the in the movie. Uh, yeah, that had never, never seen them, and they yeah. they were sold out fans as you could find. Absolutely. So, tell me the story of how Bruce brought you all together. Want me to tell it? Yes. Okay. So um, everybody knows Outlaw Pete for many reasons. Um, actually, uh, Mohegan Sun uh, shows. Uh, I didn't 
I was, it was the High Hope store. Yes. That's correct. And I was holding out, not getting tickets because I thought Bruce was going to come locally to, you know, New Jersey, Philly, New York. It ended up, he never was coming there. And that, you know, Mohegan Sun was the closest where he was going to be. So I, right. And I said, oh, I really, I really need to go. Um, At the time, a single parent, my daughter was uh, 13. Uh, Actually, she was, she was 14. Uh, I said to her, I said, I'm going to try to get tickets. I said, if we, if we get tickets, we're going to go on a road trip. And she said, fine. Uh, She had seen Bruce for the first time two years earlier uh, at Prudential Center. So I was trying to get tickets on my own. You know, I, knowing that, you know, Ticketmaster would drop tickets. Um, so every day I'd be trying Ticketmaster, looking for tickets, looking for tickets. Um, I reached out to someone on BTX on, on one of the threads and I, I messaged her and I said, do you know how I could try to get tickets? I'm really looking for tickets. So she said, well, why don't you reach out to Outlaw Pete? Um, you know, he helps people get tickets. So I'm like, okay. So I got his contact information. Um, I actually reached out to him. Uh, you know, at the time, you know, it was a very hot ticket. Uh, a lot of people were looking for tickets for those two shows. He, he was polite, but he said he has a long list. Uh, so I said, okay. Um, I, so I then tried and tried. And the day before I got tickets on a drop. And I took my daughter up to Mohegan Sun, never met Pete there, uh, but we, we had made a connection by messenger in Facebook. And, you know, we started conversing, uh, you know, I found out that he was from, you know, New Brunswick. Um, I lived in Howell. So, you know, about 40 minutes apart from each other in New Jersey, uh, you know, we started chatting about Bruce. Uh, we found out that, uh, we were both going to a uh, Joe Grishecki show mm-hmm. um, at the Stone Pony. And I said, oh, would you mind if I came and introduced myself to you um, at the Pony? And he said, sure, just look for the hat. So uh, P.S. Um, was at Joe Grishecki. I Again, I had my daughter with me. Uh, the Stone Pony does allow all ages. So I didn't have an underage child. Um, in the Stone Pony, right. uh, but we were we were up front uh, by the mic, uh, Joe Grishecki, and I saw Pete over to the left. Um, I left my daughter in capable hands. I went over to introduce myself to Pete, but Pete was busy being Pete. Um, <laughs> there were there were a bunch of beautiful Italian women uh, that were that were at the Stone Pony. Uh, visiting, hoping hoping hoping. to see Bruce, um, and he was otherwise occupied. So we spoke for a few minutes, and then I said, well, I'm going back. Um, So I went. We didn't even speak for a few minutes. She goes, hi. She felt kind of strange, barging in, and then then she went back to her daughter. But the next next day, I messaged her, and I, and I, I said, you know, I really wish we had more of a chance to talk. And, but I got to tell you something, 
you and your daughter have something really, really, really special. And it was evident with the way they interacted. It was the evident with how her daughter held on to her throughout the whole show, smiling, rocking, just being like, it was just, it was, it was as fun to watch that as the show. And, and I pointed that out to her and that kind of broke down the ice, broke down the walls and, and we started talking and on and on. And then, then she, you know, uh, she brought up what Southside Johnny show. Right. And it was, it was a rescheduled show because of a storm. It's usually his 4th of July show, but uh, it was in early August. And I said, I was going and he goes, would, would you, would you mind saving a spot for me so I could stream? Cause she queues up. She would queue up for every Southside Johnny. She'd get there at like one o'clock in the afternoon, be like eighth or ninth, you know, somewhere on there online. And they would always be on the rail. And she was telling me this. And I said, well, you know, I sell real estate. I'm going to be kind of busy. I'll come down. I'll let you know when I'm in Asbury, but could you save me a spot? She said, okay. And uh, we hung out, but I really wasn't thinking anything of it. My daughter said to me after the show, mom, that guy likes you, I think. Um, so, so we, you know, we, we kept chatting. He invited me to a Willie Nile concert, but I happened to be on vacation with my daughter, uh, came back. Uh, Monmouth University had um, a big event for Bruce Springsteen's 65th birthday. They had a whole weekend of events and they had um, a panel and um, I, I met Pete again there. Yeah. And then I, I don't know what happened, but then there was a, another concert and uh, at the Pony, and I yeah, met Michelle Moore, Michelle nine, Moore, nine eleven during uh, the Rising album. Right. So I, I, Pete said I have a ticket for you, and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know if I want to drive to Asbury by myself. You know, who is this guy, Outlaw Pete? I don't know, but I went, and you know, we listened to the show. Um, local musician Eddie Testa. Um, and his band got up and played. And during his set, um, they invited um, a, a man by the name of Ronnie Brooks, um, a very special dear friend of ours, up on stage. Um, Ronnie uh, sang the song Jersey Girl. Um, when, when Ronnie started singing that song, Pete and I were in the middle of the floor on Stone Pony. He took my beer out of my hand, placed it on the side of the stage. We danced in the middle with all these people, that was it. And the rest is history. I cannot love this story more, right? Like, you know, how you talk about you want to like on something that is amazing. What were you thinking, you know, Pete? What do you mean, what was I thinking? I, well, I was she's thinking just, I, found, I found my dream girl. Yeah. That was it. That was it. I found somebody who loved everything I love. She loves the beach. She loves Bruce. She loves me. I have no idea why sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but um, no, and we, uh, and we were married uh, uh, the next summer on the beach in Asbury Park in front of the Stone Pony and in front of 
the Asbury Angels benches that were dedicated to Danny and Clarence. And uh, um, we had uh, friends of ours. Most, most of them were my friends that had known me for years, known me as being a lonely guy, you know, um, you know, enjoying fun and, and, and the music scene you know, sharing with others. And uh, when they saw my face and my eyes in the first picture we took together outside the Wonder Bar, it was like they saw a transformation and they were just so happy for me that we had people come from uh, New Mexico, Dr. Deb. We had... Uh, uh, Patricia from Detroit come from Detroit. We had Tracy from Montana. Tracy from Montana, who I never met. We had the whole Philly crew. One one of the girls, Ju- Judy Kroll, was uh, uh, told by scolded by her husband. You're going to meet some guy named. You're going to a guy named Outlaw Pete's wedding, and you've never met him. And she was like saying, you don't know him. It's all now we're like the best of friends. Um, But it it was just it was overwhelming. We had uh, Bill from Massachusetts, Pamela from Albany. Where else? We had Philly Elvis. Nick was the Philly Elvis. And he surprised us with the song All That Heaven Will Allow on, you know, the night before the wedding. It was amazing. Uh, It just. Uh, it was meant to be, and we knew it. And and Laura, in the time leading up, she she made a point that I totally agree with. She goes, you know, everything in our lives seems like everything in our lives led us up to this. So it, really, it, it's a storybook story. I'm just thankful to God that it happened, and we had the opportunity to thank Bruce for that at the book signing. I told him that story. And he's smiling and says, I love it. And it truly is our kingdom of days for our 10 seconds of That's okay. uh, a time with Bruce. And then um, I asked him if um, I could give him a kiss. Yeah. And he said, sure. And uh, I did. And um, I walked away as I was walking away. I, I broke down in tears because I couldn't believe that I realized like, you know, a lifetime dream. Yeah. And that I, it was just, just, I, I couldn't believe how, he, you know, it just, the moment just touched me. Yeah. Um, and it was the one time that I was able to get the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but she was at work. <laughs> yes. No, the, the funny part about it is everybody around the world comes to me for help selling their tickets, buying tickets, yeah. getting tickets. And she's like, she's never needed me. Right. And, and who's gotten the tough tickets all the time for the tough shows? The, the, the GAs that got us in the pit at Philly for the River Tour next to Frank Stefanko with those awesome shots that he was getting that, you know, we spent the whole night next to Frank. It was amazing watching him work. And he made it look like nothing was going on. And then we see the work, the outpouring of the And you're like, yeah, that's amazing. All right. But so she got those tickets. Ha, 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 ha.
I was having such a great time talking to Pete and Laura that we went over an hour. So I'm going to split this conversation into two parts. Tomorrow, we will talk about the network of angels that Pete and Laura work together to get people into Springsteen shows. Hope you come back tomorrow. For now, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.